I'm not a preacher, and I'm not drunk. I'm just a politician. Everybody, come out of your houses. Clarence Hillian is going to make you a super human being. Welcome, everyone. It's our 19th episode of Crackpot Cinema. Wow. Uh, do we have a, something significant about 19? There was the Paul Hardcastle song. <laughs> no, 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 19. Song. I remember that. Yes, yes, that's right. We have an incredible guest tonight. Uh, do we call you Dan or Daniel? I, you know, it's, it's, I've never decided. I, it was Danny. <laughs> it, it, it was Danny till I was 18, and then most people verbally call me Dan, but Daniel looks better in writing, that's for sure. I'm going also, with Mr. Waters all, also, all also, night. Mr. Also, Waters. From a barista standpoint, I found Daniel's, Daniel is great because it, it cuts across all cultures. It seems like everybody's got a Daniel. So Latin community, East European community. <laughs> They don't have Dan's. Dan's a weird name to them. But Daniel, they understand. So, attend citizen of the world by virtue exactly, of your exactly. nomenclature. Uh, that's Daniel, Dan, <laughs> formerly Danny Waters. Just call me Tex. I've never lived in Texas, but you know. <laughs> Tex Boys. Waters is here. Tex uh, Waters. What a great name. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that's here. your name now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, screenwriter character. of uh, Heathers, Hudson Hawk. Uh, Demolition Man, uh, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Hey, let's, we don't have to name them all. <laughs> uh, well, how about, okay. So, uh, uh, Happy Campers and Sex and Death 101, oh, wow. two movies yeah. you wrote and directed. Yes, and my legendary directing career. That, the, where are the podcasts? Where? <laughs> They're here, guess? because you know, this is I it. Worked at, I worked at Mr. Skin. I was the head writer there for 11 oh, years, and both well, those films were crucial me. Excuse to Mr. Me. Skin. Excuse yeah. me, Mr. Skin gave Sex and Death the most love it ever got. I think it won Best Picture. I think, it was, I think it was Titanic that year. It was Breast Picture, and yes, Sex and Death 101 <laughs> won Breast Picture. Jeez, yeah, not, not my original goal, but, you know, we'll take it. <laughs> Just uh, a benefit. Well, it's funny, um, going, going through your book and... And um, these movies, it just makes me realize that there's nothing more punishing than a, you know, a glib teen film that doesn't have nudity, like like oh. the, P, the the PG horror film or the PG teen bikini movie. Yeah, like they they're punishing. They're punishing. It's yeah. just so evil. I'll tell you, the absolute worst one is the one with the greatest '80s teen sex comedy title of all time. Give me an F. Oh, a cheerleader comedy that takes place at Camp Beaverton, and such an adorable, girl, such an adorable cheerleader too. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember not getting naked. Uh, so uh, Dan is joining us. Oh, by the way, I'm Mike McPadden. I wrote uh, that book that we were uh, that Dan was referencing, Teen Movie Hell, and another book called Heavy Metal Movies. Uh, joining me in Los Angeles is. Uh, uh, I'm I'm Aaron Lee. I wrote the movie Gimme an F, and I'm really offended <laughs> that you uh, that you would say no. I write for TV shows like Family Guy and Superstore and stuff like that. Oh wow! So in your uh, in your Hollywood trajectories, have you two guys ever crossed paths? Never, 
D- no, D- I... Danny, he he wouldn't hang out with trash like me. This is I... this is. I... Are you kidding? This is a classy guy. This is a guy who wrote actual classics. No, you know, well, like you know, Heather's. I, I... I had a Please. glory. I had a glorious period where I used to live in the last house of Orson Welles, and wow. was for, it on the left for fifteen years? And 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 I I had parties that were no guest lists, but thousands of people would show up, and nobody throws a New Year's Eve party in LA. So I'd have like people that always come up to me and say, "Oh, I was at that party," and so I figure I've met everybody at least once. All right, well, count Aaron in on that. On that one. Yeah. So, uh, invite me to the 2021 party. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> socially distant 2021. Yes. <laughs> Thousands of people socially distancing at Dan yeah, Waters House. Right. <laughs> Be there. Um, so we're here tonight to talk about the 1979 milestone. I don't know how like what is the word? Opus uh Malibu High. Um, but I, a couple of things I'd like to talk to you about uh before we get into that, Dan. Um here are questions I have that I've always, as just a, a fan, I've wanted to ask you. Did you come up with booty time, booty time across the booty USA? Booty time, booty time across the USA. Booty time, booty time. Hey, hey, hey. Booty time, booty time across the USA. It's booty time, booty time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. I didn't think anything could cheer me up tonight, Lieutenant, but that... Brilliant performance. <laughs> Jerk off. Oh my God, how lovely of you to ask that because one of my, we all have troubled friends whose screenplays don't sell, and 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 I had he actually wrote. Um, I had him write Booty Time for me, but it was my concept. But I needed it. I mean, I know it doesn't have a lot of lyrics, but he's got a he's got a writing credit with Don Was. By, wow, by wow. total because Don was in the music, so by total accident. Fortunately, he died recently, but I'm always charmed when somebody brings up booty time. But. He'll never die. He wrote booty time. No, he's got his name it's at the forever. End, of, end of those credits. Tom Mankey and Don. Tom Mankey and Don was so Tom. If you're if you're up there listening, you got mentioned in a podcast. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I nearly slid out of my chair laughing. Oh and any time I think about that, I laugh out loud, and I think about it frequently. <laughs> <laughs> We're well, talking about Ed O'Neill's impromptu eruption into a little disco, the disco hit he had before he was a cop oh. in The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Yes. I, I, I got a Ford Fairlane question for you. Oh, boy. I, I always remember uh, buying Marvel Comics when it came out, that came with a free bumper sticker with Andrew Dice Clay's face saying, "Here's to you sucking my fumes." Did, oh did you? Did God. you? Did you write that promotional Ford Fairlane no. bumper sticker that was included in every Marvel comic? I did not <laughs> write that, and none of my dead okay. friends wrote it either. <laughs> wow. Well, it was on my car for years. So I'll tell you that. Oh my so. God! I, I've never even seen it. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> that, don't you think, Mike Ford Fairline? Th- that's a real crackpot cinema movie. I mean, it that's, really is. It's it's a, it's a crazy one of a kind. Yeah, that's um, the kind of thing we love. Well, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I, it, I, I it, we we recently had a screening of it out here in L.A. where it was me and Dice Clay disagreeing on everything about the movie, but. Uh, <laughs> 
but just um, the movie yeah yeah it played play, it, play, it played like gangbusters i w i wish these audiences were there opening weekend but you know we were supposed to open up against bird on a wire and cadillac man we would have killed but, oh yeah right. but but th they pushed the release because they thought they could build on andrew dice clay's popularity L literally know like his, his popularity died that we that those over those next couple months so, yeah, that was the whole SNL thing and yeah, the public. Yeah. Literally, the, the day after we were supposed to open, he hosted SNL, and like, so it all went to hell. But and that was when uh, Nora Dunn uh, took a stand and walked, and Sinead O'Connor, uh, yeah, refused to yeah. perform. And Joyce Carol until somebody handed had, her a picture of the. Entertainment Weekly had Joyce Carol Oates doing a thing too. Like, well, why pick on me? <laughs> Joyce Carol Oates. <laughs> I know. Wow. Don't pull, don't pull out the big guns. What did she say? She was actually perplexed by the whole assignment, but she took the money. <laughs> but she saw she saw the movie. She, she saw went the and movie. saw the movie. Yes. Wow! wow. <laughs> uh, I got, that's like it. Pauline Kale going to see uh, Farewell, Uncle Tom, <laughs> <laughs> which she did. When she was like, "I've got to check that, out one of these black exploitation films." That, oh dear. That is hilarious that I had the exact same thought, Mike. That is really... Uh, <laughs> I really did. That's great. So, uh, are you a fan of the Demolition Man pinball machine? Because I am. Um, I've, only, I've only seen... I was not much of a pinball player, but I've seen it and I've admired it. But it's, it's a good one. I'm a, like a pinball fanatic who's very bad at pinball, so I've fed uh, hundreds of dollars into the Demolition Man machine. I peaked at Shark Hunt, but, you know. Mm. But, oh, yeah. um, but yes, it is a great pinball machine. <laughs> and, then, and thank you for reminding me, my last major release was when pinball machines were a big thing. <laughs> um, so you were uh, born in Cleveland, grew up in South Bend? I South Bend, Indiana, yes. And how were the, how, what was the movie scene there like? Because, you know, it's a college town, so were there art houses? And There were. If there were art houses, I did not know about them. But I did, I did live next to the Scottsdale Mall where I could, you know, I could hear people being paged at Montgomery Ward for my bedroom. But, wow. But they had a theater. Oh, I was so excited about a movie theater opening right next to my place. They played Jesus Christ Superstar for five months oh. straight. <laughs> but then finally, you know, and Bang the Drum slowly came, and slowly all these movies came, and so I have a lot of great memories of seeing movies in South Bend, including, like, I do remember in 1975, I was 12, 13, was seeing Jaws, and, like, going to the ice cream parlor across the way from Jaws and saying, I'm going to write movies, that's what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave South Bend, I'm going to move to L.A., and I'm going to write movies, and that's the way it's going to be, and, and so... I have fond memories of movie going, but it was not it was not an esoteric upbringing. I had to go to Montreal to college at McGill University, and that's where I kind of got a crash course in art films, where I had courses in Godard, and I had to I there came a point where like either I'm gonna watch these Godard movies over and over, or I'm gonna have sex and drink beer and have fun. So I chose Godard, but <laughs> but. You know, I have well, a weird. The, the, just, the world is glad you made that choice. So I have a weird combinations of things. I mean, when you bring up Ford Fairlane, it just reminds me of my entire career. I never met a tone I didn't like. That all my movies <laughs> remind me of Malibu High, and that you you think they're gonna be one thing, and they're another, and maybe they're still that thing too, but they're also yeah. something else. Uh, how about drive-ins in the South Bend area? Oh yeah, 
Definitely drive-ins. Definitely pom-pom girls. I remember the drive-in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, my driving experiences are five guys in a in a car. Right. But like, you know, <laughs> that's anybody's driving. The, the yeah, reality yeah. is not. I I right. went to drive-ins. I I didn't yeah. see all this constant sex that was yeah, supposedly the, happening. I I didn't even I saw get a bunch the, of nerds. I didn't even get the yawn putting the arm around the girl. But like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're they're making a comeback, so we all might yes. have a chance now. You know, I I've yeah. lived in, I've lived in L.A. for over thirty years. I never have learned to drive. I've never gotten a driver's license. Wow! Ever. So wow! So this driving, my need to see movies in a theater and no driver's license is finally finally learning to get me to a point of agony right now. So I, it would be great if this is what gets me to get a driver's license, so I can see a movie again i mean i can't think of a better motivation truly so <laughs> at last um so massacre at central high and lord love a duck influences on heathers okay more. now i yeah I, I listened to your i listened to your your words the other day um and you're not gonna believe this but i swear to god i can on a stack of bibles i i had not seen massacre at central high before i had written heather I had we don't believe it. This is a trial. <laughs> we brought you here to accuse. I, I know. <laughs> but I had read Danny, Danny Peary's core book, um, cult movies, which massacres. Yeah. So it was in my subconscious somewhere. Sure. But I, I was a big fan of Lord Love a Duck, although, you know, it wasn't like, hmm, Lord, it's time to Lord Love a Duck for a new generation. <laughs> it's like, I got this. Right. Yeah. No, I never thought that. It was just more the thrill of recognizing, as you, you know, just the, the embedded spirit of those two movies when oh, I first yeah. saw Heather's. No, definitely, definitely, definitely. It's, I mean, yeah, Massacre of Central High is a little, a little grim when I finally yeah. did see it, and you know, but uh, but um, Lord Love a Duck definitely, and and George Axelrod as a whole, like Manchurian yeah. Candidate. That's again, that's those. Those are my kind of tones, machine gun, machine gun firing tones, where you can get <laughs> you can get a, a, everything and anything. Yeah. So uh, now this quote I read from you oh. is maybe my favorite thing I've ever read anywhere <laughs> in my life. I'm gonna lay this on you now. Oh, I boy. call it the Goonies slash Spaceballs demarcation line. Oh. Men of a certain. Men of a certain age like me, the first number is a five, can't believe younger people than them worship Goonies. To quote Martha Plimpton in the film, I feel like I'm babysitting and not getting paid for it. And I've had to be pulled off someone for uttering the words, Blazing Saddles is no space balls. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you know, say, say what you will about the rest of me, but I did, that is my quote, that is my belief. That is on my tombstone. That is you're you're saying the rage I live in twenty four hours a day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's so it's. I think it's within weeks too. It's so weird. Like you know, people like born a couple months younger than me, and they're like you know, loving Goonies. Well, you but, know, by I, I think it comes down to this. It's like it, I was because I was I was ranting and raving about this quote to my wife the other day, and I said it comes <laughs> down to me. You know, it's like movies. 
you're either someone for whom movies start with Star Wars or they end with Star Wars. (laughs) That's a great quote, too. And when I saw Star Wars, I was eight years old. It was a religious experience. It was, was, you know, the fulfillment of everything I ever hoped art would be at that point. And it made me go back, read, learn everything I could about all the movies that led up to Star Wars. I had, like, the Star Wars album, that book, and it had pictures of freaks in it and the searchers and Felix, the cat cartoons. So I learned all about that. And that's one type of person. The other type of person just wanted more stupid fucking star Wars. Yeah. And that's everybody else. So. Yeah. So. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't mind if that's playing at theater number three, but can I have something on theater number four? Like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm just asking I'm, uh, everybody can have their fun. Like superhero movies. You, 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 you go for it. But can we have something else too? Like when you, when you go walk into that theater, like we have a great, beautiful theater, the ArcLight here in LA, and oh, it's yeah. like the, the lobby's like a train station. And when you go out there, come out there, and you just see the Avengers on nine of eleven screens, you're just like, <laughs> this is missing the point of eleven screens, people. <laughs> well, now I want to uh, make both of your heads explode by telling you: Do you know what the number two grossing movie in the country was last week? Empire Strikes Back. Goonies. <laughs> yeah, it was Goonies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because wow. of drive-ins, the yeah, the number one movie was The Rental, a oh new my, horror movie, oh my and number God. two was Goonies. Wow, it it, it always wins. You yeah, know, it I, does. You know, you know, I recently saw Spaceballs again, and it was. Oh. I mean, Naria laughed to me. I mean, again, the, <laughs> like those those, just watching the drop of Mel Brooks. I mean, it's just like because yeah. you, you you just walk in with those wanting to laugh, and you you. you and uh, nothing, nothing. But it was certainly it was strangely comforting that, like you know, that I don't know, it was something about being in the slumber party atmosphere of all these kids that they and they were enjoying it. That I, I, I warmed a bit, but sure, it's still, not, sure. it's, still not, it's still not good. It's still not good. And oh, no. Daphne Zuniga's blouse kept falling down and it came off the shoulder, and it was quite erotic, it was quite erotic too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm I'm a feminist, but this this podcast is already making me like. That's yeah. what we do. Counting breaths. Crack your pot. <laughs> so, uh, my agenda is done. Aaron, you have any other questions for our guest? Uh, yes, yeah. When you got out here to L.A., here's my question. Because, well, I'll tell you why I was thinking of this. I was thinking of Malibu High. I think I saw this on VHS from Mondo Video on Melrose first time. I, what were your what were your L.A. video stores? What what would you hit up? Oh well, I worked at an L.A. video store. Wow! Before Tarantino did, by the way. In fact, well, I, you know, I came out of came here from Montreal, going to college in Montreal. Came out here, like I'd say, I had the goal of getting any job whatsoever, and and I couldn't get any job. I couldn't get tear tickets at a movie theater. I tried to be a reader. My synopsises were longer than the scripts. It was like I could not get a job, and there, my roommates joked that there was a video store being built in a mini mall, and like by the time I find a job, you're gonna get a job at a video store. And then, exactly what happened? Like it was opening day, and I go, "Do you need somebody?" And it was like these three brothers from Taiwan who didn't know what the gun in Betty Lou's handbag was, so I had, <laughs> I had helped them order movies, and so, so oh. I, 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 so I was kind of the. 
if you remember Paul Bartel and eating Raul secretly ordering sure. the delicious wines and like rare wines, it was kind of like that. So I try to make my video store my video store. And it's, it's amazing. It was just like, I mean, I wouldn't call it an esoteric video store, but I have so many memories of like there was a, in fact, just recently, my friends, my good friends, Larry Karaszewski, who was also from South Bend, and Scott Alexander, who are, write a lot of biopics. They wrote Ed Wood and People vs. Larry Flint. Their movie Dolomite was based on me bringing this video cassette from my video store wow. called the, Be the Best of Sex and Violence, which had yes, trailers, trailers of Dolom all the Dolomites and everything like that. And that's what, that's what got them obsessed with Dolomite. So... So, so we have you, that. yeah, for you, you to thank for my favorite movie last year. That's fantastic. Oh, cool, cool, great. Yeah, and I heard them. I also I work on the Gilbert podcast, and I, oh, I heard cool. them. I do the Facebook uh, for the show, and uh, I heard them saying that they had seen the trailers on the Best of Sex and Violence, and I was thrilled because that's where I first uh, had heard of Dolomite or understood what Dolomite was at the very least. Yeah, that that thing is a treasure trove. I I had a friend recently make a DVD of it, and I watched, and it's just like, oh my god, so much of this is a core to my being. The Tanya's Island trailer, <laughs> like you know, just like Jesus. I have a note on Tanya's Island that we'll get to when we're talking about the movie. <laughs> Wait, is that uh, the then, one? And then you have John, John Carradine. John yeah, Carradine, right? Oh yeah, okay, when the Carradine right. brothers come, yeah. they're, they're, in, they're yeah. the interstitial. The, the Carradine brothers keep coming out and like. Well, they're standing there. He's he's in his chair, and so you have <laughs> Keith on one side, David on the other, and one of them say, and one of them says, "Hey, Pop, can I borrow ten bucks?" While the other one is like flicking something on John's shoulder, and John just goes, "No!" And then he turns the other way and goes, "Put that lint back." <laughs> <laughs> The oh, other, my favorite one in that is after truck stop women, he goes, truck stop women. He's like, they're hardworking and they're clean too. They douche every 500 miles. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, and one more. I got to, the sin of Adam and Eve. Oh yeah. He goes, <laughs> he goes, God created man. God created woman. He gave her beautiful hair. Beautiful legs, beautiful eyes, beautiful breasts. <laughs> then he threw in a mouth. <laughs> Ruined the whole damn thing. Oh, my God. God. Oh, I hope he improvised all that. I hope, <laughs> I hope he didn't even know the camera was running. <laughs> yeah, this is the warm-up. He was just thinking to himself. <laughs> you got a hot mic, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, shall we dive in to Malibu Oh my Mike? god, sure. yes. I'm gonna say, I did more research on this film than I've ever done for anything, including, like, my books. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I watched every minute of every aspect of the Blu-ray last night. I uh, went through, um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I first uh, discovered this movie from Aaron calling me. I was living in Brooklyn at that point and uh, saying, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this movie. Just, just get it, get it. And I had had, this was when like uh, the video stores around New York were closing and, they, and you could just buy like, they would just give you a bag of DVDs for like 10 bucks and you got what was in there. I'm sorry, um, VHS tapes. And I had it and I threw it on. And uh, the thing that we were most stupefied, of course, by at first was the SCTV stinger. Oh, it's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime you start to get involved in the movie, they're like, what? 
So, um, you know, I've since seen it, I don't know, a dozen times. I show it to it never disappoints. Always delivers. Um, but Mike, I got to tell you, I don't. Yeah. I, wait, quickly. I don't remember Please. introducing you to it. So, and, and I was trying to frenzy. Did, did I say where I, how I stumbled across? Because I remember getting it yeah, Mondo Video. but from Mondo Video, yeah. Just based on the cover or something. Okay. Yeah. God, I mean, what, we a, were, we what were a find. Going, okay, so, so Aaron so and I came up with the concept for Teen Movie Hell in 1994. Um, and then he became like a big shot Hollywood writer and an executive producer family guy. And I worked on the book basically for the next 25 years. Oh, um, wow. But we, so we were sort of gathering and collecting these movies and just watching them casually. I think that's what it was. Okay. And yeah, uh, yeah you said this is a gem beyond a gem. Because we, we would watch, we were semi obsessed with the pom pom girls and the undercurrent of violence and darkness that exists in that film. <laughs> Especially like there's a food, like a slow motion food fight and somebody shoves a French fry up. Uh, Robert yes. Carradine's nose. That's very. And I remember Aaron just saying that looks really painful. Very intrusive. <laughs> well, I I think I had the, the great Malibu High. The way it should be seen is in a basement in Toronto. There was no video cassettes involved. It was on a there was a I don't know what cable station it was, but it was on cable TV in Toronto. Wow. And, and I was in my basement of my father's place. And I was in college at the time, but he was living in Toronto. And, and, and it was like, it was just an evening of sh these shitty movies where I was just hoping for a breast or Virginia Madsen's <laughs> breast or something. Like just one, two, <laughs> like, you know, I think I saw California Dreaming first and that came on first, which is just a terrible movie. Glynis O'Connor. Glynis O'Connor, God bless her, though. Seymour but, Cassell. Yeah. So, and, the, and then, I, you know, do I double or nothing and watch another one? And Because they were just running this one after the other. Right. And then I watched this, and I had no idea what it was, which is great. Like, I, I have some friends watching, actually simultaneously watching it tonight in this Zoom watching thing we do every Wednesday night. They're watching the oh, movie. Oh, cool. But they've already uh, seen the trailer and they know they've read the reputation and everything. But I had no idea what was going on. And it's just, it's just, it's great because it starts off. I mean, you get the breasts right away, which is very nice. And then, yes. Well, but, but, but then, but then you're like, okay, I know this movie. I know this movie. And then, and then it starts to bring in prostitution. And you're like, <laughs> wait a second, that kind of, isn't that a little real? That takes away the fun. Like, aren't these girls just be supposed to be horny and free and everybody's having sex and it's all fun and there's people paying? Like, you know, wait a second. And then it gets into the real stuff. And it's just, it was just, I, I was like running around in the basement like a, a gerbil and, and, <laughs> and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Was Malibu High then an influence on Heather's? I, I again, it was not like I had a picture of Jill Lansing and <laughs> no. a framed picture of her. But it, you know, I guess it's in the core of my being, and and I guess because to me, Heather's is the same way, and like it's it's the glory. There again, a, a sidebar on the glory of having a shitty poster, a, sh a yeah. shitty misleading poster. That the poster for Heather's is just terrible. But it, it lulls you into thinking you know what movie you're going to see. And the same with Malibu High, which I hadn't seen the poster when I saw the first saw, but still, like, even the title. You, know, you think you know the movie. When, you think you, when the audience thinks that they know the movie they're going to see, 
and the first half hour is pretty much giving them that movie. So, of course, you were right. And then you pull the rug out from underneath them. That's that's gold. That's what that's what you got. Like, I you know I tell people today, like, make your first movie a genre, but then fuck up the genre. Like, the, right. because the, the people think they're making the movie they want to make, but they're making your movie by accident. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, the so, the only clue you get, you, you, like you said, you don't get the poster. The only clue you get when you start watching the movie that really struck me this time is the red satanic font letters <laughs> on the black background for the credits with one of those yeah. creepy fl- creepy flute and acoustic guitar jaunty hippie yes. songs playing just like last house on the left like i don't what? know why that creeps me out you're so talking much. about the song lovely by but lovely oh. but deadly by steve myland Aaron. yeah, yeah well they're so chilling because it is the dvd menu and he, and you know like right. a, oh. like you know when the movie's over and like you're too lazy to turn off the thing. So I was like, I was like cleaning up for somebody coming over and, and that song just kept playing over and over. And I get finally, I've got to get rid of this DVD. Right? I gotta, yeah. Gotta go I had the same Lawrence. experience with that. Yeah. Just kept starting up like, no, no, not again. Well, let's talk about the poster. So Malibu high Malibu beach was a famous. So this is a crown international picture which was, uh, you know, one of the most prolific West Coast exploitation houses supplying drive-ins throughout the 70s and into the 80s and, and weirdly uh, beyond. But um, so Malibu Beach in 78 was a girl from behind a painting uh, and who was holding, like, she was on the beach. The dog uh, at her feet is smiling and holding the, her bikini top in her mouth. The dog had snatched her <laughs> bikini. Which does happen in the movie repeatedly. Um, so, wow. You figure that Malibu High must be the logical follow-up to this with the poster of um, this shapely young woman uh, lying on her stomach in some uh, hot pants, uh, topless, uh, like she's uh, sunbathing and looking at us kind of naughtily. And there's this <laughs> bizarre cartoon array of men standing behind mm-hmm. her. And the tagline is, uh, you know, n- none of the teachers would flunk her. I can't remember the exact line, but um, all the so teachers, the, wa- all the teachers want to flunk her, but none, were, no one would dare. Yes, which so, actually is an accurate tagline. It is. What and that's the thing. Yeah, that's weirdly <laughs> on <laughs> that's the money. A, yes, man, they want to yeah. flunk the shit out of her, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, she does have attitude problems from the from from the jump. Um, so you have it. So uh, the girl on the poster is not Jennifer Lansing, the star of the movie. And what we have learned is that uh, it's actress uh, Mary Margaret Humes, who uh, the producer. Um, uh, what what's the producer's name? Who's very. Talkative. Anyway, he said that she. He kept Lawrence. saying she was a Playboy model, um, and I couldn't find that anywhere. Oh, I so. think she is. Oh, really? Well, she was. She was. She was cast in another terrible Mel. The first terrible Mel Brooks right. movie. Um, yeah. History of the World. Well, that's well, what the producer kept going on about. Well, well, she's, like, the, she's the first person to do the walk this way joke, which I've always mm, thought was fun. Uh, <laughs> um, but he kept saying, and she made went on to make Mel Brooks' History of the World. 
It's like, well, no, dude, she was the mom on Dawson's yes, Creek for yeah. the entire run of the series. That's what I was yelling at the screen, too. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, right. you got a much bigger hook here. Lawrence Foltz. That's his name. Lawrence Foltz. That's a name that's going to come up a lot. So, But but <laughs> did you hear the reason that Jen Lansing would not do the poster, which yeah. cracked me up? She, she, she demanded money. tons of money. She wanted... Yeah. And, just her attitude in this movie. She's so yes. shitty about everything. It was hilarious to me to think of her walking into his office naked, smoking a cigarette. Saying, <laughs> I want a million dollars. Give me a million bucks or fuck you. <laughs> um, and you know, that's the story of the Valley Girl poster as well. Is that Deborah Foreman of Valley Girl wanted $5,000. What? Yeah, to appear on wow. the poster. And they said, okay, we don't need you. So the actress who is painted on the poster next to Nicholas Cage is actually in the movie. She plays his ex-girlfriend that he um, has a, wow. a little uh, to-do with, a little romantic to-do with in the bathroom at the punk club. Wow. So, I don't understand. Little, uh, don't understand these people. Everything is connected. <laughs> Why wouldn't uh, you want so to be then... associated with Malibu High? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence Folds um, tells the story repeatedly that uh, there was apparently an AP wire story went out that people were breaking theater display cases to steal the poster. <laughs> and it, it got uh, noticed by the writers on The Tonight Show. And Johnny Carson had Mary Margaret Humes on to talk about it. And before she came out, he was apparently standing next to a giant like bus stop display, like four foot by six foot display of the poster and then had her come out and talk and she claimed that she was offered the lead of the movie but her schedule wouldn't allow it at the yes. time and he's like that's a lie <laughs> but uh so i looked everywhere for the clip uh i couldn't find it but uh i did find that she was on the tonight show in uh november 1979 the movie opened in los angeles in september 1979 uh her fellow panelists that night were robbie benson and tim conway oh my god yeah <laughs> And it's a great poster, but yeah. I'm not going to lie. I feel guilty that I did slightly less research for this because I went to get my Blu-ray and realized I got it. I, I got rid of it because I didn't want it in the oh. house with my 13-year-old and 10-year-old daughter with that oh. cover. <laughs> but because I'm like, you know, they don't need that influence. But th what I did do this week that was just as inappropriate was uh, I was playing them the old Runaways song, Dead End Justice. You, you know that song? Oh, it's the best, yeah. It's a great, yeah. Thrills and bills and, and yeah. And we were, j just because we were listening to goofy old songs and I knew that would crack them up, but they were crying laughing listening to that. <laughs> and I realized this movie is a Runaways song just come to yeah. life. Wow. This is just Perfect. an hour. And, yeah. yeah, this yeah, is just I'll a living take, Runaways song. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. The music so was not fine. done by the Runaways, though. Yes. Oh God! <laughs> which, which, I mean, <laughs> that would have been too much. Um. So, uh, yeah, and now uh, Mary Margaret Humes uh, makes a nice living uh, acting in Hallmark Channel Christmas movies, which seem to be on constantly, twenty-four hours a day, twelve months a year. So, um, yeah. so should we just uh, shall we walk through the movie as we say here? Just kind of start sure. at the beginning and go on through. Hell yeah. So, Normally yeah. we would do like a thumbs up, thumbs down thing, but there's no oh. thumbs down even possible no. here. It's just, it's just great. 
It's just yeah. so I mean, fun yeah, normally, and so yeah, delicious. we come up with a, yeah, malice the, spew high or yeah, malice. <laughs> no. And the, and the idea, Daniel, that you saw it on cable not knowing. I mean, you hit, that's the all-time late-night yeah. cable mother, that's the jackpot. The, the, yeah, I can't absolutely. think of any other movie that would have delivered as much like and be so satisfying well yeah, it, you, it, you it, de- it delivered payloads and layers i wasn't expecting so that it was like yes i, I got every late i got every i didn't get just one cable late night cable movie i got all of them i can i can take i could take the rest of the month <laughs> yes. take the rest of the summer off like all the food groups yeah so uh so we have yes the opening like uh yeah very kind of like Acid spiked wine folk song, lovely but deadly, which was the uh, one of the original titles of the film. The other was uh, it began life as high school hit girl. Then a, became... gr- a great title, by the way. Yeah, I mean, kind of gives. A, I mean, kind of a perfect title, but yeah, takes away the f- the fun of the having the rug pull out from it. But still, terrific right. title. And then uh, death in denim. Pretty good. A weird title. Uh, Teen Terror. Very generic. Then Lovely But Deadly. Finally, uh, after Crown Internationals bought the movie, which had a total budget of $56,000 and Crown paid $25,000 for it, they changed it to Malibu High. And uh, Lawrence Fold says that the movie has made, uh, through the years, more than $10 million for Crown International. Wow. Which is conceivable. Which is definitely believable. Nice. So the lyrics are actually um, like the tagline on the poster. They're pretty true to the movie, but they're sort of from the point of view of Kevin, her ex-boyfriend, who has dumped her for uh, snotty rich girl Annette. But uh, he says, "It says lovely but deadly. I took your love, thinking what you said to me was real. <laughs> now there'll come a time, and there'll come a place. Oh yeah, someone will find out what you've concealed." And it goes on. We'll uh, we'll put these lyrics on social media, um, and and it repeats at the and, end. And three when you times. say from the, it repeats at the end three times. Someone will find out what you have concealed. So. <laughs> and when you say from the perspective of her boyfriend Kevin, it's worth noting, Kevin sucks. Everybody in the movie sucks. <laughs> Everyone is a terrible piece of shit. Top to bottom. It's one of those like Gasper No universes where <laughs> e- ev- everyone is a monstrous person who deserves to die. It's, a- it's amazing. Oh, but boy, Kevin sucks. I had that feeling about her, her mother, who normally, like, I, I sort of remembered always just the victim of this, this rancid child in her house. She but sucks. No, the mother's awful. She's terrible. The mom sucks. Yeah, everybody's yeah. terrible. So, yeah, so the movie opens up, uh, and uh, no, Jill that's Lansing. Not, her, her friend, her friend goes through a lot. I, I was feeling for the, her best friend. Lucy. Lucy. Like, yeah. like. Oh. This can't be a. F- I, I I said I said the words. This can't be a fun evening for you. Many times out loud watching the movie because <laughs> she's got to listen to her friend bitch and her friend is the bitch of bitches bitching, and getting drunk with just with her and it was like I felt bad for her. And then even Lucy is given that monologue once they sit and get high together where she's like, Oh my God, did you see that girl in class who the strap broke and her 
top fell off and she was flat chested like a boy. Oh my God. Even she is shown to enjoy, like when I get my chance to be sadistic, I will be. So they even refute her in the moral universe. And oh, she's I... just as awful as the rest. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, no. I I thought that was very like uh, European to build sympathy for Lucy and then pull the rug out. Like, oh, she's just as awful as all. <laughs> the Lucy's played by Katie Johnson, who is the daughter of Russell Johnson, oh, the professor yes. from Gilligan's Island. Saw that. Who appears acting in, royalty? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the dynasty. <laughs> yeah, they are the uh, the Barrymores of Irv Slivkin films. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, her pop Russell was in uh, Hitchhike to Hell, which was director that's Ernest good too. previous movie a uh, year before this. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, I just saw that. I saw the Blu-ray of that recently. That's a fun one. Well, it's uh, not fun, but so, <laughs> fun so, is not the word, but it's good. <laughs> so Jill bursts into the scene. Uh, she's in bed. Her mother yells for her to wake up. She's, she's nude. She immediately reaches for a cigarette, goes and checks herself out <laughs> nude in the mirror, smoking. <laughs> And and right away we know who this person is. And I was thinking, like, there's no character like this that I can think of other than Nomi Malone from Showgirls. I I I had seen your comparison to Showgirls, and I was like, that is brilliant because, you know, th this is an essay I haven't written for the Atlantic yet. But uh, in praise of the <laughs> in praise of the verisimilitude of a bad line reading, like there's something, yeah. Like, like, yeah. I don't think we appreciate in real life how many bad line readings we hear in real life from day to day of, like, kind of the strident cussing and, like, kind of every... But the tone is off and it's screechy and weird and, like, like to actually... like So instead of saying, go again right away on a set, you're like, oh, my God, this is actually feeling more real than real. Like, as when Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirls, you know, we, we all have friends who are, you know maybe in the sex industry, but, but, you know, sometimes they're, they don't speak like noble suicide girls, <laughs> like, you know, with cult, they, they've got that kind of like s screechy voice. And, and so I was like, oh my God, this is so, this is, this is, a, this is more real than real. Like you, like I'm always, I always love when Kate Blanchett tries to play a real person. Yeah. Like she can't <laughs> do it. She cannot, she, there's a scene in Carol where she's, like cooking while she's on the phone and it's like just watching an alien training film. It's crazy. <laughs> but, but, but Jill Lansing in this movie is just like, okay, this is every horrible aunt you've had only as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, wow. Perfect. Yeah. And, and the only, the only, when you say other characters to, to compare it to, the only other comparisons I could think of were, were John Waters movies, like maybe like right. female trouble divine who also, Right. You know, made an, an, a career out of that bad line reading thing you're talking about. And uh, and then the only other thing I thought of was like, she's kind of like a teenage female Danny McBride character. Oh, yeah. Like I could, <laughs> I could see I could see Danny McBride remaking this and playing her, which would be hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, and this was it for her. This was one and done. Ah, oh, too bad. She too joins, bad. The, joins the like of uh, Clinton Spilsbury in The Legend of the Lone oh, Ranger. Oh, uh, yes. Nick Apollo Forte in Broadway Danny Rose. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, and, and akin to Nick Apollo Forte, apparently, according to uh, uh, Lawrence Folds and Tammy Taylor, uh, who plays Annette, um, she eventually morphed into this character yes. in the process of making the film and uh 
Which Tammy really? Taylor, uh, yeah, what? yeah, sort of diplomatically called her a diva. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's, you have no problem imagining that. Yeah, I mean, no, I, no. Yeah, no. definitely. Now, now, let me ask you this: If this came up on the commentary track, I read somewhere that supposedly the screenwriter is a famous screenwriter and an, an alias. Is and that they, correct? They, they they were playing possum. They wouldn't tell. Yeah, they, they wouldn't, wouldn't tell us who it. it was. No kidding. So, do you think you think that's true, or do you think they were just trying? It was ballyhoo that they're just trying to get you excited. I know with Sterling Siliphant, just because I like to say the word Sterling Siliphant. <laughs> Do you think William Goldman did a no. pass at the script? And that's why it's so good. I'm not yeah. saying it was him, but he did do a pass. Like, you know, not I only Johnson and Ben Hack did it together. Hecht script that somebody oh, found. I, see, we, we, we have the same go-to old <laughs> screenwriter. I, I think not only, I've learned over the years not only Johnson's funnier than Ben Hack, but, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the credited name is John Buckley. And my note here is I was secretly hoping it was Jim Buckley, the co-founder of Screw Magazine. <laughs> you know, I should I, 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 I don't know if you know Mark Hoyk, who did who does yeah. that, who did that. I'm sure he knows we could badger him to. Yes, let's tell find us. out. We'll do a follow up on that. Yeah. yeah. And the script, you know, Mike, you and I sometimes talk about 70s movies that had like unnecessarily profane scripts. Yeah. And this yes. one, this one was not only. So perfectly profane and vulgar, but I could have gone with. I I just want to hear her say "fuck" in every line, basically, yeah. and just <laughs> j- just so many great hilarious. And not just the dialogue, lines. but the bird flipping, perfectly punctuated flipping of the bird. And then you yes. know, she gives her mom the double birds at one point, which was great. yeah. It's it's funny. It breaks all my rules of you. You should have a limited use of fucks in a movie. A limited use yep. of using the finger. Like you should. There should be a quota. I hate when actors on the set try to throw one in. Like hey, these are precious. But this movie is just like yeah, mess it all up. Overuse yes. it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she it, means it. She means it. It should be yeah. like Aaron Burr, sir, from Hamilton. Just fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> like, you know. So, yeah. uh, so Kim, uh, finally she makes it to the kitchen where mom's wearing her uh, bathrobe that she wears repeatedly and uh, still puffing away. And her mother says, that looks great. Eating and smoking at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this air of tension and hostility. And uh, so, Kim, so Kim pushes her breakfast away and goes, there, how's that? Yeah, she's like, <laughs> like can I I'll smoke stick with and drink coffee at the same time? <laughs> yes. She reveals oh, she's, she's broken great. up with Kevin. Uh, she's not carrying any books. And her mother says, you're getting to be just like your father. Uh, which is like the first hint that Pop's not around. And boy, do we find out what happened to him. Uh, so the actress playing mom is billed as Phyllis Lavin, and she's acted in other movies as under the name. Her real name is Wallace Earl. People called her Wally. Oh my God! Yeah, it's not Wallace, weird. Er- Wallace Earl wrestling pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Poor Wallace got one of the worst wardrobes in movie history. Too. <laughs> yeah. She. Oh, <laughs> the, no the best IMD trivia line was. Everyone supplied their own wardrobes. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, and then Katie Johnson is Lucy pulls up, honks outside, and her mom's like, uh, I'm getting complaints from the neighbors. And Kim says, you worry about those assholes, <laughs> and storms off. 
So uh, they get to school and uh, they see and Kevin. Kim, and Kim, like you said, Kim just shits on her friend Lucy. Everything she says, everything, <laughs> everything Lucy says, like, want to go to the disco tonight? The disco sucks. Right? Like, <laughs> just does nothing but this very peppermint Patty and Marcy kind of. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Constant, yeah. constant yeah. abuse. Constant oh, abuse. You know, who why he, would uh, she hang out with her? Lucy kind of reminds me of the actress uh, Ar- Ari Grainer. I wrote, I jotted that down. Oh, it's a little, little side note. If they, you know, if Danny McBride does remake this film, which we expect <laughs> to after this episode, after this, yeah, yeah. So they get to the school parking lot and they see uh, Kevin with his new girlfriend Annette, played by Tammy Taylor, and uh, that's when she we're, sucks uh, too. Oh boy, does she ever? Suck. She really sucks. Yeah, and oh, okay. <laughs> and that's when uh, Kim, you know barks out her father is harry ingersoll which is like the funniest name <laughs> he owns half the town yeah. so i was like harry ingersoll sounds like somebody so i looked it up and i just found some old like military there was a captain harry ingersoll who died and that was it so <laughs> um yeah so tammy taylor really does she uh, she really stands out as a net ingersoll she is like if if Kim is a is like a nuclear bitch, uh, Annette is like a a daisy cutter bomb bitch. You know she's like the like maybe one rung down. Uh, and Tammy Taylor went on to a prolific TV career um, on shows like Happy Days and Chips, and then she was a regular on the soap opera One Life to Live. In 1984, she was in two of the Otter movies I covered in Teen Movie Hell, Love Lines with Michael Winslow. Oh yeah. And uh, meatballs too. Have you seen Love Lines, either of you? I I I can't. Be- I I recommend it. It's, I, it's a I've Battle done, of the I've Bands d- movie. It's good. I've done it's a funny. movie with poor Jim Poorman Trenton, but you know he was That's in right. others. But but yeah. you know, it, and K K Rock is K Rock Love Lines is extremely in, influential to the writing of Heather's much more than Malibu High or Massacre Central High or even Lord Love a Duck, but. I had not actually seen the movie. I think I I arrived in L.A. before I was in. We did not make it to the shores of Canada, so I, I missed it. <laughs> we're gonna fix that because we'll uh, we'll have to have you back to talk about Love Lines at some point. I want to so. see it, I wanna, especially when I read about the read about the um the the, the inadvertent skinny dip scene. So yes, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, I did my teen movie hell reading today. Oh, good, good. In, in, inspire, I, inspiring the sentence. That I never thought I'd say, you know, I should really watch just one of the guys again. <laughs> just out on Blu-ray with Deluxe oh, Edition. Oh, that's yeah. all I need to know. Um, so uh, we go to Mr. Donaldson's history class, and uh, Kim uh, gives him some big attitude. Everybody sucks. Mr. Donaldson sucks. She storms out, and we, and we hear that SCTV stinger for the first time. Oh, which I couldn't, I didn't appreciate. I, I don't think I was aware of the stinger when I first saw the movie, but you know, seeing it again, I, I again, I ran around like a dog that hearing fireworks. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Because it's such yeah. a. I hope you, I hope you layer in the music afterwards because uh, yes, oh, that god, we, yes, we, we already yeah. had that discussion. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. Do, you, in fact, anytime I pause or have an awkward silence, just put it in again. <laughs> In life, yeah. <laughs> um, 
it is used to it is used to punctuate the most horrifying yeah. images. I mean, it is with, music. It with, is music made to go to commercial, and they're using with, it like Franz Waxman. Like you know, it is like to punctuate beats. It's ridiculous. And and yeah. sorry to sorry to just jump the spoiler, Mike. I know you're going to be upset, but the fact that Kim uh, Jill Lansing screams in her mother's face. Maybe Daddy wouldn't have had to kill himself if he <laughs> because he what no it's, Daddy had to kill himself because he couldn't get it up anymore over you know. and then you get that little stinger which is completely insane. <laughs> it was an aneurysm. So, so uh, you know, then she confronts Kevin in the library, and uh, he has one of one of my favorite things he says to her is, "I heard about your grades. You probably won't even graduate." <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she is determined to graduate boy oh, is it a big deal more than anything oh top, man with top grades top yeah. grades yeah that's right so uh he announces no he's not going to the dance with her she's still like pathetically asking if it's possible and he says that you know no, kim and i are going with style and then she storms <laughs> off and uh she goes home mom is dusting and uh this is one of the best uh monologues uh, not 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 just in this film but in any film uh, she, she mom is in her robe again dusting with her own wardrobe supplied wardrobe uh bathrobe says, you could have looked decent once in a while instead of worrying about dirt and dust and greasy buildups maybe then you wouldn't have driven daddy away and maybe daddy wouldn't have had to kill himself because he couldn't get it up anymore <laughs> and that made me think like like buildups like grimy buildups were a a, a 70s thing because oh, yeah. there was the waxy yellow buildup on Mary Hartman yeah it's such a running gag it's, uh this then kind of smash cuts we don't get the SCTV we get uh the stinger instead is this disco song and oh, we go to right. the uh the high school dance, which was shot in a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> and every inch of it looks like a Mexican restaurant. Completely. Yes. Once you know that, it's the greatest. I mean, it's the greatest anyway, but there's another I level. I mean, you can it. smell the fajitas. <laughs> so let us talk about the music in the movie. Uh, it is canned, as is the vernacular in the biz, I've heard. Um, so I shazammed all of these songs and got <laughs> oh, wow. IDs on almost all of them. So, oh but God. when I that disco song or the the dancing song, um, the first thing I got was called "Let's Do It" by the Stoned. And I was like, oh, "That seems pretty cool." And then Mark Hoyk on the commentary said that song was Disco King, and it came from the KPM Library, which has recently been like rediscovered and raided by like hipsters and DJs and EDM artists. So I think, <laughs> uh, and I looked up Disco King, and it is the same song. And then I looked up "Let's Do It" by the Stoned. And I believe that is like a hip EDM remix of Disco King. Mm. Oh, wow. So we could throw our own dance in a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> we will. As soon as this episode uh, launches, we'll, uh, we'll have a virtual Zoom dance in a rest Mexican restaurant. <laughs> and so, by the way, you know, it's a, you know it's a disco in the movie because they walk outside to the exterior that looks yeah. like a church, but has a guy sitting next to a, a standee that says disco. It says Larry's <laughs> Disco. <laughs> Larry's Disco, yes. So that's how you know it's Which disco. I guess is a nod to producer uh, Lawrence Folds, who was 18, by the way, when he produced wow. this movie. Yeah. yeah. 
um, and is in it twice. He's uh, he's one of the kids in the disco, and then later on, he's uh, one of the he goes to the Ingersoll Beach House for the fateful showdown at the end. There, one of those teens. Um, so then Kim goes outside, and here we meet uh, Tony the pimp. Oh, and can I just say she leaves, and Lucy doesn't want to leave, and right. Kim says one of the shittiest things to her in the whole movie. <laughs> she she turns to him and says. You're just going to have to lose your cherry on your own time, Lucy, <laughs> which is oh such a God. terrible thing. Like, you're just an awful person, Kim. Just just drive away, Lucy. Jeez. Get away. Yeah. It's, fu- it's funny when you describe these scenes, they, people, people think, oh, well, they're not going to be that harsh in the actual movie. The, the, when, when you see somebody, when you see an actual whim, woman instead of three... <laughs> three guys bitching about it that, that it's going to be it's going to be a softer touch to it and it's 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 worse so much more nasty actually seeing it in the movie yes it's worse so yeah uh tony the pimp is played by brooklyn native alex mann uh he uh was he played shelly and i drink your blood and he was in a lot of uh Sex films, um, so of course, sex movies, and probably a few hardcore, but for uh, Joe Sarno and Mike and Roberta Findlay. Uh, oh. And he played uh, gay characters in a movie called Once Upon a Body in 1968 and Microwave Massacre, which uh, mm. is the only other uh, writing credit of co-screenwriter Thomas Singer from 1983 Microwave Massacre, which is a movie we yeah. should cover on this show. At some point. Yeah, that's a real movie. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, that's a good one. And and you know who Danny McBride would have to cast to play Tony? Obviously, is James Franco. He's got a real, real James Franco vibe. <laughs> oh, wow. that Tony. Oh, you know? man. I'm telling you, I'm I might pitch this tomorrow. I'm gonna <laughs> do this. Uh, Mr. Waters, Mr. Lee, perhaps let's put your heads together. <laughs> Come on, are you in? Let's Come put on, all your juice, your industry <laughs> juice together. Get Danny McBride on the line. Um. We can come up with $56,000. That's what they took to make it. Come on. We can do that. So, so Kim wants some weed, and her question to Tony is, uh, you got any stuff on you? And his response is, is Raquel Welch stacked? So uh, he either yes, wants... Yes, by the way. Yes, was the answer. <laughs> for the record. Yeah, so for those who don't he, know. Uh, he wants, you know, uh, as was the vernacular, they ask for grass or $20. And she says, 20 bucks. What do you think I am? The late Howard Hughes or something? <laughs> that was great. That there's, was a great line. There's a lot of, I mean, I, I know I'm being naive of how much things cost back then, but, but there's a lot of things where people overreact to the, overreact to the prices, I feel like. In <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the 1940s. It was right. Like, <laughs> $20. Uh, you know, I, I had a $20 bill in my hand in 1978 as a kid. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. So um, this, and then we go to uh, Kim and Lucy at home with the, f- the four foot bong on the table, and this uh, this leads to uh, the flashback to Kim's dad's suicide, which looks eerily like a porno movie of that day, like one of those Avon Seven porno films, <laughs> like those rough East Coast adult films where she's wearing like a see-through like baby doll that has her hair in pigtails. Oh, yes, and pigtails. She's, uh, she's pop swinging on a rope. Yeah, and it's all sad because Kim got drunk, and then you're like, oh, no, she's an alcoholic because of all her pain. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it, this is where we're really getting into the dark stuff. Like, yeah. 
And where you're weirdly like, oh, this movie is genuinely on her side, like genuinely sympathetic and compassionate to her. The movie wants her to graduate with top Yes. <laughs> yeah. Poor Kim. So, yeah. The P- next poor day, Lucy. Poor all of us. <laughs> she's dressed in what's supposed to be like a much sexier outfit than she's worn in the past, but it just looks like everything else she'd been wearing up to that point. <laughs> yeah, that is true. But it was a skirt. She had been wearing right. jeans. It was the, a skirt. The, so, yes. the, the, the pigtails always sell a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, she goes to uh, Mr. Donaldson's class, and he tells her she's she's uh, dressed too sexy, and she, uh, you know, she offers him the deal, and uh, he says, I'm not interested. And she says, I'll be at high point. And, of course, he's going to show up there. Um, yeah, because he's a scumbag, because everybody's yeah. a scumbag. <laughs> but I, I love the way the, the, these teachers don't, they don't play it leering. They play like, <laughs> they play it like really dull teachers who do oh, say God, no. Yeah. And then when they show up, they don't say, oh, I'm a pervert, or I, I can't believe I'm coming. They're just like, yeah, of course I'll show up. <laughs> it's it's the seventies. We we yeah. all know what's going yeah. on. Yeah, you think I'm not gonna come? Really? All right, here. Let's go. High point. Let's rock. So, Mr. Donaldson is played by the actor Roger Perry, who I he looks like, and I was hoping he was the guy who played the headmaster, Mr. Parker, on The Facts of Life, which would have been great, mm-hmm. but it's not him. But uh, so, uh, oh no, he looks like that actor. His name is, his, his real name is John Yates, using the name John Grant. And he has a great uh, number, of, uh, he has a great bit part filmography. He was ball player in Fear Strikes Out, reporter in the 1966 Batman movie, uh, policeman in Simon King of the Witches, photographer in <laughs> Evil Knievel from 71, oh. the George Hamilton movie. Uh, <laughs> And police officer in the Clash movie Rude Boy. Huh, and wow. He's, and he's also in Hitchhiking. I like how I've seen all these movies and couldn't pick them out of a lineup. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's also in Hitchhike to Hell and another amazing Irv Slivkin film that we'll talk about uh, after we get through this. Suddenly, The Light, which we have to track down and find now. So, mm. Never heard of that. Uh, not me neither before this epic uh, <laughs> research undertaking. Um, so yeah, Kim and Mr. Donaldson shows up because he's going to come, of course, and, uh, they have an awful pale sex scene. He has a big bruise on his thigh. Oh, yes. In, uh, really stark daylight to Lonely Affair by jazz saxophone legend Benny Carter, which I guess was library music at that point. And, uh, she starts, uh, trick, you know, so, uh. She then, Kim says, not only is she going to get top grades, she's going to use, uh, you know, she's going to ha- use sex to get the top grades. She wants to go to work for Tony, who has wanted her to, uh, you know, he's wanted to pimp her for a while. And he needs to uh, see if the action is good. And um, she, uh, you know, looks very pissed off, as usual. He chews gum, and they go in the back of his van. That song is called Mood Macabre by Stan Tracy. <laughs> And then we get the semi-comical montage of Kim turning tricks. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty Zucker Brothers, that first shot. Like, right off the bat of her going, I'm going to be a prostitute. You cut to a van with a line of construction, construction workers. workers. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty naked gun. 
but yeah, uh, a line of everybody wearing their job like yeah. yes doctors in stethoscopes and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. and you know. all of the village people yeah, yeah. right you know, yeah, it's like a mariachi player yeah. <laughs> right sure there's like a, a german guy in lederhosen yeah <laughs> the the priest haha yeah. oh what a hypocrite <laughs> <laughs> but and then the uh, night one guy mr h pulls up and uh, he gets out and uh you know he gets introduced and She's like, all right, let's go. And they, they get in the van. She closes the door, and we hear them talk. And he says, and she says, what do you want? He says, I prefer the French way. And Kim says, sure, why not? Beats the Greek way. Which, which led to a big question for me that I'm embarrassed to ask. What's the French way? I don't know what the French way that is. Be, what does uh, that mean? Involving tongues, Aaron. Just French kissing? Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah, but on the on the most sensitive of areas. <laughs> yeah, it means blowjob. So it's just oral sex? It means oral sex, yeah. A blowjob yeah. is the French way? Yeah, we, French, we, Greek. Do you know what Roman I, is? I don't know Roman. How did I work at Hustler Magazine with you and <laughs> yeah, not know please. these things? Let's no, what's Roman? The, Roman is uh, vomit uh, fetish. Oh, I Roman showers. I think yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. gross. Yeah. Okay. Thank God that scene was cut from Malibu High. I would <laughs> scandalized. The, the Roman montage. <laughs> yeah. I wish Kim had said better than the Roman way. I wish she. You know what? These were like. <laughs> these were like the hooker ad codes and the swingers mag. Those remember those black and white like wow. Rocky Mountain News swingers mag. Burgers and dogs and spaghetti and meatballs was B and D and S and M. Okay. Oh my right. God. Yeah. It's good. Wow. <sighs> French way. <laughs> Boy, was he classy about saying, give me a blowjob. <laughs> I, pre I prefer the French way. <laughs> what a what yeah. a gentleman. <laughs> yeah. Mr. H was. <laughs> so during the construction worker lineup, the uh, the song on there uh, was Guanabara by Kai Rotenberg, Rautenberg and the Continental Strings. This is where the soundtrack... Too. The soundtrack gets pretty solely into uh, Antonio Carlos Hubim ripoffs, imitation kind of music, except for the Great People's Court theme. That well, we'll get there. Yes. Chase it. Yes. Yeah. Which I did yeah. so much research on that song. The big oh, one. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, 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 Mr. Waters, I was looking to impress you, and I hope that's happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and then, of course, one of the, at one point, Kim is in like... Uh, you know, some kind of shitty valley-looking steakhouse with a dirty old man in a plaid jacket oh, and checkered yes. pants. That is director Irv Slivkin, with whom she plays nice. footies. So, if you had to imagine what Irv Slivkin looks like, yeah. it, <laughs> just the name, is. just the name yes. alone, Irv Slivkin. Yes, like we Roger Irv, Kaputnik. Yeah, we need an Irv. We need an Irv Slivkin type. <laughs> well, Irv, you know, we know now. we know what you mean we know exactly what you mean <laughs> so uh kim starts holding out cash on tony she's cutting side deals with she buys a little mg car and then she decides she's yeah. gonna bl blackmail mr donaldson and he says nobody saw me go up to high point with you and then she says well i'll tell your wife about the half moon birthmark on the cheek of your ass and yeah. I really like the specifically the cheek of your ass, not the crack of your ass, not the yeah. hole in your ass, the cheek of your ass. Yes. Good and, one, the, and the bruise, and the bruise, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then she announces she's going to physics, where she's going to get an A, and then we get yet another SCTV stinger. 
She lays the same deal on Mr. Mooney. Um, and then she speeds off. Uh, she flips the bird to Kevin and Annette. And Kevin says she's trying to prove something. And one of the great outbursts <laughs> ever. She's a piece of shit. She's proven something, all right. She's proven she's a piece of shit. She's a piece of shit. How could you ever have gone around with a piece of shit like that? She's just trying to prove something, okay? Don't let her bug you, huh? Come on, let's go, huh? She's proving something, all right. She's proving she's a piece of shit. Annette, will you forget about her already? Yeah, okay, but she's still a piece of shit. <laughs> That's what Annette said. <laughs> yes, yeah, I liked when... I liked when Kim summed up Kevin and Annette by saying, he's a flake and she's a bitch. They deserve they each deserve other. They deserve each other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she's that, right. That was, that was yeah. all. Yeah, no, it was hard yeah. to argue with. It really was. So then finally we get to meet Harry Ingersoll. And he really looks like the, the name Harry Ingersoll, too. Um, because Kim wants uh, a pair of $150 earrings. So she wants her dad to go give her some money. So. They uh, go up to Mr. Ingersoll in his office, played by Clark Gordon under the name Robert Gordon. So, why do you think they had all these like slightly changed names in the in the cast? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're gonna hide, come yeah, up with two I, different yeah. names, like be know. like John Buckley. Yeah, you know. Yes. And use, uh, you know, a completely different uh, suit because everyone was drunk. <laughs> that's why everyone was fucked up out of their minds they were passing around that four foot do. bong with the 20 dollars <laughs> yes. worth of weed it was 1978 or 9 and yeah. uh everyone was drunk and high like everyone <laughs> that watched the movie <laughs> like everyone in the country but that you would talk, be my guess you talk about everybody being shitty our introduction to harry ingersoll is he's on the phone in his fancy office and he's saying and he says listen asshole Get that payment over here and get it here fast, you understand? Otherwise, you're going to be walking around in crutches the next couple of months. I really like that he says, in crutches. <laughs> and then we yeah. get sort of, you know, we, we've mentioned uh, Lord Loveaduck, uh, the, the uncomfortable father-daughter and closeness of this scene, where he hands her, uh, she's like, I want these uh, earrings. And he, uh, they cost 150 bucks. He's like, oh, I think that's a good investment. And he peels off a couple of uh, $100 bills and gives it, goes, uh, you got to think of me every time you wear them. And there's some uncomfortably <laughs> long kissing. And... So in 2020 adjustment, those earrings would cost 535 bucks. Huh. Well, okay. Oh, wow, so $20 for weed, uh, you know, they freaked out about, but... Uh, well, $50 earrings was not the, Inger, the Ingersoll's play by yeah. their own rules. They don't have the town. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. That's, that's Ingersoll money. <laughs> and then we get a little uh, Kevin and Annette love scene on the polar bearskin rug. She's which is so creepy. She's, she's adorable. She's adorable. <laughs> she, like, she's also three feet shorter than him, which <laughs> I yeah. could not help but disturb. It really was a Mutt and Jeff moment there. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I, I always <laughs> like hot Mutt and Jeff sex. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Kim driving around uh, in her new Jaguar to... Uh, the silky string tones of uh, Running Away by Horst Jankowski and his orchestra. Oh, come on. Now, now you could just be making these up at this point. But... Yeah, it probably uh, is. Shazam reports him, and I just repeat it. So, uh, 
<laughs> my Shazam would be my algorithms would be fucked forever. Like, <laughs> They'd be improved. Who <laughs> just say, "What are you doing? Stop it!" <laughs> and here, while she's just hanging out on the beach, we meet Lance, the big time gangster, uh, top ticket pimp, uh, played by. <laughs> Garth Pillsbury under the name Garth Howard. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's crazy. So uh Garth Pillsbury is uh best known. He was the Bush pilot in Russ Meyer's Vixen. Um he appears in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and Super Vixens. Under the name <laughs> We talked about Tex Waters. Under the name Garth Texan. He appears in both oh. If You Don't Stop It, You'll Go Blind and Can I Do It Till I Need Glasses. Are you familiar oh, with those movies, Dan? No, I am not. Oh, man. Uh, they are dirty jokes come to life. They're just blackout, like frantically edited blackout sketches. Oh, boy. But And it yeah, just, I mean, paint like, like just so long. But Aaron, Like please. Incredible Mr. T, is that kind of thing, or? Like, beyond Well, that. even no. more like, like an attempt at a laugh in... Kind yeah. of just, oh, literally just, but here but is old, the joke acted like street out. jokes yes. that you yes. would hear. I see. You know, and I can't just even think of an example, but another. yeah. But it's like, you yeah. know, they, the kid named Johnny Fucker Faster kind of thing. Right. Yes, exactly. And Robin <laughs> Williams is in, is it Can I the Do It Till one. I Need Glasses? The second one. He's in Can I Do It yeah. Till I Need Glasses. Could you sing a little yes. of that theme song on? The, the nightmarish theme song that has haunted me for decades is, Can I do it till I need glasses? Can I stroke my poke? Can I twiddle my fiddly D? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. I, I, like, now I'll be hearing that, trying to go to sleep tonight, and tossing and turning in bed, sweating, <laughs> yes. shaking. Just get oh, the SCTV the theme there. <laughs> yeah, you know what? On. Yeah, there you go. Now I feel better. So, so Garth Pillsbury was also in uh, Larry Buchanan's two Marilyn exploitation movies, Goodbye Norma Jean in 1976, and Goodnight Sweet Marilyn from 1989, which is mostly comprised of flashback clips to Goodbye Norma Jean. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, this, in 79 the same year as Malibu High he was also in Mistri Larry Buchanan's Mistress of the Apes which is a movie we should pair on this show with Tanya's Island oh yeah <laughs> so um, yeah Kim jumps ship uh, to Tony She call, uh, from Tony to Lance she calls Tony up and says got a message for you pal get fucked <laughs> that was great that was great <laughs> And she should, because Tony yeah. sucks. He yeah. beats her up, and he he ta yeah. he only gives her forty percent. She wants sixty yeah. percent, which is totally reasonable, right? And uh, Lance yeah. gives it sixty percent, and he gives her cocaine, which she very unconvincingly yes. Snorts. She snorts the cocaine as convincingly as she punches Annette in the face at one point. <laughs> um, and then he sends her out uh, on an out call to what, what I guess is supposed to be like a fancy apartment, but it looks like three very obvious different locations. And the John starts taking out handcuffs and chains and then tackles her onto his waterbed and there's a tussle and she, uh, she gets him in the back good with an ice pick, which was a, a pretty effective scene, I thought. Her stabbing him with the ice pick was pretty Yeah. Ice, ice picks are like quicksand there. They were... I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't ever remember. I don't ever remember everybody having an ice pick, but, but, but like to pick ice, it's always yeah. like that thing he uses a murder weapon. Right. Like, like, yeah, I've never seen anybody use it for ice. I'm like, yeah. you know, but it was, it was always everywhere. 
uh, you know, back when you'd get a giant block of ice from the Iceman, and uh, I guess you picked... <laughs> Yes, I, I, which I, I only know from the Three Stooges when they had to deliver the ice, and yes, every I, time yeah. they got to the top of the stairs, it was melted. So, yeah, um, from the crushed ice generation, like crushed ice hate Goonies generation. So, <laughs> <laughs> so afterwards, uh, Kim says like she doesn't feel bad; she feels almost good about killing the guy. And uh, Lance is telling her this is good, and he says, uh, you know, don't sweat it, baby. We'll get some puppet to take the rap. There's always some fink the boys are trying to get rid of. So uh, he then gives her a present, which is a gun. He says, you can't go bumping off pick people with an ice pick. It's too clumsy. Uh, so he proposes, like, not only should she turn tricks, but she should be a professional assassin for the mob. And um, her first job, which is a thrill, is she gets to kill Tony. Yeah. And uh, she well, con- confronts yeah. him in the parking, go- par- in the parking garage. And uh, and he's surprisingly happy to see her when she's yeah. like, he's like, hey, he's like, hey, Kim, how you been? Oh, my God. Like, after he's been abusing her and how's tipping new, her. Eyes. How's your new agent? Is it working yeah. out for you? Oh, God, it's great to see you. How's but your new agent? <laughs> so, yeah, she went. Then she wastes yeah. him. Yeah. But it's yeah. funny. If you, if you had any question of whether you were on her side, that scene is like, oh, yeah, yes. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Hell like, yeah. You're yes. no longer repelled by her. You're like on the same team. Yeah. Yep. Totally. And um, she's thrilled. After she is like beaming, she's thrilled. She runs home to Lance and uh, hugs him and says, you were right. I really got off on the power of that trigger. <laughs> and Lance smiles and uh, and uh, she says, when do I get paid? He goes, what? Now? Come on. And then we get like, and they're real happy. And then we get another SCTV stinger. So her mm-hmm. next job is to hit this guy who owns a jewelry shop, who uh, apparently has, he owes big, and he's run out of warnings. And this guy <laughs> looked like Jerzy Skazinski to me. <laughs> <laughs> Jerzy Kaczynski, sorry. Uh, so she uh, kind of like, he's got an eye for the ladies, so she hangs out around this abandoned mall to the- Well, well you saw the, the actor's name was Jerzy Goldwater, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No, it could have been him. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. How dare you? No, I was just trying to get you worked up. That was trying to get you worked up. His name was Jersey City. Um, <laughs> so he, uh, you know, he sees her. And, uh, and then the song is uh, The Foil by Dave Richmond, uh, who was a founding member of the Manfred Mann group. And. Uh, an in-demand uh. session player in the 70s. Anyway, they, they have like kind of a black key. No, 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 no. And uh, she kills Jerzy Kaczynski. And um, yeah, and then she goes to uh, back to high school because she, again, she is determined to graduate. And Mr. Donaldson tells, the, tells her, listen, the principal is on to you. You can screw the teachers, but you can't screw the school. And she says, that... Deaf old bastard should have been retired 20 years ago. We get an SCTV stinger there. Uh, then we meet Mr. Elmhurst, the uh, principal who is played by actor John Harmon, just using his name, John Harmon, a, rare, a rarity. And his first, very first IMD credit is Three Kids and a Queen from 1935. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he is a deaf old bastard, man. Yeah, he really, he really, he really lives up to the description. <laughs> He really does. And uh, 
So, so, some of the funniest stuff in the movie too. This oh my ridiculous God, art of hearing bit with him and yeah, yeah very that, silly. yelling that, at him. Silly. Not, I wouldn't call it a plot hole, but there is an there is something that is unresolved in the film. If I do remember around this time in the movie, is that she's getting great grades from all her male teachers, but she's got one yeah. female teacher that she's uh, not getting a, a good yeah. grade from, and which I thought we were going to get a lesbian scene, but. It just yeah. never it's just never explained. She's just gonna be happy with the D minus or like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's wow. that's what that's what my parents had to accept when I was in high school. You know, I know I know the fo the fo the focus groups in Fox Hills had a lot of problems. Like, <laughs> the woman uh so Mr. Elmhurst is saying that, you know, you're gonna get expelled and well first he almost has a heart attack. She sees him almost have a heart attack and he gets his pills, his nitroglycerin, I assume, uh, in time. And, uh, you know, that plants a seed. So he's going to come to her house yeah. that night to say that she's been getting uh, expelled. And then uh, Mr. Elmhurst shows up at the house. Uh, first, we see uh, Mom wearing a Mrs. Roper-style muumuu, which, again, she supplied from her own wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And she says it's club night, so she's going out to the dance. Uh, Mr. Yeah. El so yeah, Mr. Elmhurst a, felt like good. I felt like good for her. Yeah, you know, was, she's moving warm, on. That was a warm moment. It wasn't. Yeah, it, wasn't, it was. Wasn't a bad yeah, it was dress. a one a nice human moment. Yeah, you made fun of her wardrobe. That wasn't a bad dress from the the wardrobe. No, no. Uh, I, uh, Wallace was a woman. Of I don't taste. think it was. <laughs> I don't think it was going to work out at the club. Well, I don't. Wally, I don't Wally? think she was coming home with anybody. Wally. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Mr. Elmhurst comes over, and Kim now is in a bathrobe, and uh, she takes his coat and swipes his heart pills out of his pocket, and then flushes them, which to me seemed completely unnecessary. Um, but you know, it did get, get we did get to have a toilet sound effect in the movie just to add to yeah. the overall <laughs> milieu. Um, she strips to her panties and starts to kind of give him a semi lap dance, and he of course has a fatal heart attack at her feet. <laughs> To the song Menace by Johnny Pearson, who is the composer of Heavy Action, the theme to Monday Night Football. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, you know, her going over and calling 911 in her, like, white underwear. I was trying to think of any other movie that has a female character that so casually just walks around naked or in their underwear the whole time. Like, Matilda not, May in Life Force. Yeah, but but it's but not even for our arousal necessarily. Just like while she smokes cigarettes, eats breakfast, and makes phone calls, you know. It is weird. She's very unaffected by the nudity. Yeah. It's like yeah. if you if you told her she did nude, I did a nude scene. Really? Oh, <laughs> yes. Fuck. I forgot to put on. Yeah. A I, I I didn't have the robe on, did I? Oh God. When yeah. most actresses like you know they haven't they have the the claws tattooed in their back of like what's going to be nude and what's not going to be nude yeah. right is it really necessary for me to make this phone call and hang out and wait for the cops nude afterwards no yeah. it's not at all you can pull the robot yes normally it would happen but not jill <laughs> lansing man she yeah. she she went for it <laughs> so uh she's very proud of herself and is kind of bragging to lance about it and this is this crosses his line he says, Christ, Kim, sure sounds raunchy. He uses the <laughs> wrong word. <laughs> he, you know, he, now that you're making me think about it, he's actually not an unsympathetic character. 
he treats her with respect and and he <laughs> he's, he's gonna take her to tahiti i mean and he is the moral <laughs> he's the moral authority of the film so far that's true not yeah. only but before hey, he takes her to line. before he takes her to tahiti he's gonna take her out for din din there was that <laughs> disgusting <Yeah>. scene <laughs> They're like laughing and, and lovingly repeating the word din-din over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Did you also notice the moment where she goes like, I got to get out of here. I got to go to school. And he looks down and says to himself like, school. <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm dating an 18-year-old. So, so yes, you're right. He had a little conscience. He yeah. he took a little self conscious moment like, what am I doing, man? I'm going to see know, his. Heart wants what it wants as we've learned. <laughs> yeah. That. Yes. So then we find out, this is a big twist, Lance tells Kim she has to off Harry Ingersoll. Oh, man. So this is going to be a real pleasure. So she goes to Harry. But she seems strangely conflicted about it, didn't she? Like when she got the news, she seemed like kind of conflicted at first. I thought it was going to be like, oh boy, rubbing hands. But didn't didn't she seem a little... Oh, this is big time. Harry Ingersoll is a powerful man. Yeah, I guess that's it. Yes. Yeah, right. I guess that's it. So. God knows how many bodyguards there will be will be around that house. <laughs> yes. yeah, I mean, it does point. set up like a Steven Seagal climax, where she's got to take out <laughs> fifty men in in suits and Uzis, and like instead, it's just this guy with a drinking out of a tumbler in his bathing suit, like uh, showing off his really his his pretty good old man in shape body. <laughs> Yeah, he, he was in he, was, he was so real in that scene, just like yeah. he, he really exuded that arrogance of like oh, yeah. a guy guy who has sex with an eighteen year old horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I've been trying to get mass that vibe myself forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she she shoots him and he kinda grabs his solar plexus, but then uh the bullet the blood comes out of another hole while he's rolling writhing around on the floor. Um, just then, after she after she kills Harry Ingersoll, uh, Annette and Kevin and the gang uh, pull up Riverdale style in their jalopy with uh, surfboard off the top. <laughs> They're hopping out of the beach house, uh, at the beach house, and uh, Annette notices Kim's Mercedes. Kim walks out, and uh, she just blasts Annette right in the gut. She dies on the spot. <laughs> Yeah, and this kicks off the big final chase set to the big one by composer Alan Two, which we all know as um, the theme from the People's Court. And I was wondering who was was there a freak? There had to have been somebody watching like the first episode of the People's Court, going, "Holy shit, that's from Malibu High!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Is Kim on trial? What's, is this is this the trial of Kim for everything she did? Having a vision of a blonde boy in bare feet running down the stairs really awkwardly. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah. That was pointed out by uh, Tammy Thomas on the commentary. Like, look at Kevin run. It was really funny. That's, a, that's an unplayable scene. Deanna Day-Lewis yeah. could have trained for years and not be able to pull that yeah. scene off. Like, that is a steep staircase. And, like... Yeah. So, a little bit about uh, Alan Two and the big one. Uh, he was a British composer, uh, wrote a lot of uh, library music, popular in the KPM library, and uh, British TV themes. The big one was originally written for a 1975 UK crime series called The Hanged Man, 
about a construction magnate who fakes his own death to find out who's been trying to kill him. Um, one of the, this is just a funny side note. One of the villains in The Hangman was named Turtle, and he was so popular he got his own spin-off series, Turtle's Progress, which is so hilariously British. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, since then the big one—the big one, of course—has been used a lot to denote a court scene, and uh, usually comedically. Um, it was also uh, his uh, likely unwitting uh, career ticket as a big, as a big-time hardcore film composer. Uh, the big one turns up in uh, Radley Metzger's *Barbara* broadcast and two Gerard Damiano movies, *Never So Deep* and *The Satisfiers of Alpha Blue*. The, which both came out in 1981, the same year the People's Court debuted. Um, Barbara Broadcast also features Alan Toole's White Elephant Walk, and his song The Detective turns up in the very weird porn movie called Punk Rock, as well as Never So Deep. And Wanda Whip's Wall Street uses a whole bunch of Alan Toole music. So, <laughs> now we all know that. That was where the People's... Think of that when you think of the People's Court. Wow, and and for all of that, I assume he made zero money, right? (laughs) Like they weren't like he wasn't getting checks, was he? He's got to get people's court checks, doesn't he? People's court, yeah, yeah, yeah. people's court, yes, yeah. I would imagine, but like, but all this, it was all like Malibu High, like never so deep. Yeah, I don't think he was getting royalties on that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Well, he's he retired on the satisfiers from Alpha Blue checks. Yeah. Um. (laughs) So, yeah, and this, uh, they run on the beach, and once you know this, now, Aaron, do you, do, do you know they end up at this, this rocky point on the beach? Did you recognize that, or do you know what those rocks are? No. Uh, they look so, they, 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 I mean, I, I know the answer. Well, please tell but, it. Yeah, but I'll give you, too, please. But, but when they said the answer, I go, my God, it is. Yeah. No, and, I, yeah, and now. Completely. And when I greet my friends who are watching the movie right now, I'm going to have that as my background for the Zoom. It's, oh, perfect. <laughs> it's, it's the exact same point on Malibu Beach that Charlton Heston sees the Statue of Liberty and pounds That's the sand. Two, oh, cl- my God. Two unforgettable climaxes on the same patch of beach. It's, <laughs> no kidding. And those rocks really haven't changed. They've they're still got that wow. same... Dark, jagged quality. One so. day we're all going to have to, you know, after the world is finished ending, we're all going to have to go out and meet each other there. Yeah, no, I'm going to have yeah. my romantic yeah, just, comedy in there. Yeah, one way or another, lay face down as the surf washes over us. So. Yes, yes. Uh, Kevin finally, you know, she's pointing the gun at him. He says, bitch, goddamn stupid fucking bitch. Why don't you just shoot that thing? And this is my favorite Kim line in the movie. Sure, creep. Why not? Then we hear a gunshot. And Kim falls over, and we see two cops dressed like, you know, like uh, the guys from Car 54. Where are you? Those cop uniforms. <laughs> yes, Officer Shotgun. Yeah, it's Officer Tootie and uh, Francis Muldoon. Uh, <laughs> take out uh, Kim on the beach. And, uh, and, and not it. Kevin. So disappointing. You're just you're like <laughs> so hoping Kevin would die. And I was like, ah, oh, Kevin lived. It was so disappointing. Yeah, but boy, face down the beach and then the end. Get out. Get That's out it. of the theater. Yeah. Everybody yeah. go yeah. home. Yeah. Well, they they yeah. replay the Lonely Affair by Benny Carter song. So, yeah, great ending. Yeah, 
Yeah. So uh, Lawrence Folds um, in 1981. Well, his next movie that he directed also, I, I mean, I guess it came out in 1980. Uh, completely insane caveman horror movie, Don't Go Near the Park. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, oh. I saw that. Aldo no. Ray, Tammy Taylor, repeat, you know, repeat work, uh, Linnea Quigley, and young Mino Pilius. That's one of the weirdest, craziest horror movies of that era. Um, I'm going to write that down. Yeah, yeah, Don't Go Near the Park. And then uh, he finally got to use the title Lovely But Deadly in a 1981 movie about a high school ass-kicker girl. Um, now, here's the weird thing. This, was, this I did not know. So Young Warriors is apparently some kind of semi-sequel to Malibu Beach. And um, apparently was, was made under the title Graduates of Malibu High, but uh, it was never... Uh, esteemed horror journalist Michael Gingle pointed out on my Facebook page, it was never actually released under that title. Uh, and it, that is a crazy movie, very much uh, deserving of a crackpot cinema episode. And I would say shares at least some level of insanity with Malibu Beach. What do you think? Yeah, well, cer certainly, certainly as far as lulling you into thinking you know what movie you're seeing and you definitely yes. not, don't know what movie you're seeing. Yeah. I mean, I think I told you that. I, I mean, I happen to know that there was going to be a terrifying, horrible rape in the movie, but right. like all the comedy scenes leading up to that they seem like rapes themselves and they're more almost as disturbing <laughs> yeah. so i was actually impressed that the rape actually is horrible and horrifying it, it, because 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 the, just isn't it, is that linnea quigley in the opening scene where the guys are standing around the bed and there's this poor naked woman running out of the room yes, terrified yeah. and, and those I mean, are talking about complete assholes yeah these guys are the worst <laughs> yeah our heroes yeah, yeah, like they're 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 literally and they're literally played. They all look alike. They all have a, only one's a Van Patten, but they all look like Van Pattens, and <laughs> and, and not Dick or Joyce. Yeah, they and but it, it's it's funny the the, the the guys are usually the villains in all every other team yeah, kind of movie, but totally, they end yeah. up they they end up becoming genuine Nazis that you're on their you're you're kind <laughs> of on their side for a little bit, but you know. And at least the movie wraps up in a way that knows that they've crossed some lines. They get the Jill. They get the, they get the Jill treatment too. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, and then I, I sent you guys the uh, this L.A. Times article that uh, Ghost director Darren Serafian claims he came he came in and took it over from Lawrence Folds, who produced Malibu High and directed uh, is credited with directing Young Warriors. It's not badly directed. I mean, whoever directed it. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. it's got a real exploding helicopter. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it opens with a graduation ceremony at Malibu High, followed by the on-screen announcement. This announcement: These are the graduates of Malibu High, and this is their story. So it's uh, it's tied in there. <laughs> and then the kind of sepia photos at the end with like graduates laying together in the grass with their heads <laughs> touching. Like, wait, wait a minute, it did. <laughs> Did, was I watching the wrong movie all this time? What happened? <laughs> did it change the channel on me? But now, and it also plays into my theory that I explore in Teen Movie Hell that these Crown International Beach movies are all interconnected. 
and most blatantly by uh, beach bully Dugan, who appears in the van at Malibu Beach. <laughs> but then Vanner Steve is in a number of these movies. And to imagine that it can, it it extended all the way to the mid 80s and can jumped over to Canon Films the way Ken jumped from uh, Tony to Lance is really mind blowing. So. <laughs> Uh, where does my chauffeur end up in this? <laughs> my, yeah, that was it for Crown International. That was uh, the scandal that did them in. Do you know about that? They uh, oh yeah, yeah, inflated the grosses <laughs> to say it was the number. It beat the color purple at the box office. And they, well, wow, beat, and they, they, and they the got color. in trouble. Yeah, well, it, it was yeah. reported. I saw that on Entertainment Tonight. They were like surprised at the box office. It was you know probably Dixie Watley at that point. Um. <laughs> so uh wait so, wait for my chauffeur my this, chauffeur I, I, don't, I don't know this story okay this so, is like a i want a whole like quiz show style movie yeah. about this scandal <laughs> this is amazing this is i love funny. this they lied about my Crown chauffeur, international profits reported they said it was a mistake yeah. this is an honest mistake that they said their movie was number one and over the it's it's it, it's probably higher than color purple if i had to rate every movie i'd ever seen in my life in order it'd be higher <laughs> than color purple but you know Imagine Spielberg at home watching Entertainment Tonight and being like, oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. That's great. So, Wait, and then, and then they went out of business? It, yeah, and it, and it effectively ended Deborah Foreman's career, too, apparently. Um, although, you know, if God. she was wanting $5,000 to appear on the Valley Girl poster, maybe she was trouble anyway, but who knows? We don't say that Wow. Anymore. So wow. uh, let's talk a bit, just a, a little bit about Irv Berwick, the director. Um, he directed in 1959 the monster of the uh, Piedras Blancas, which was certainly a that one rocks, man. That's a, awesome. That's a badass monster movie. Local that's one TV that's got to be growing up and yeah. one of my favorite monsters of those cheesy mo- like the best costume, so cool. Yeah, yeah, from, he's from the Angry Samoans, the cover. Angry Samoans album cover. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah, um, and and then Hitchhike to Hell, which we we touched on, but so here's the movie we have to track down now. Suddenly, the light. The official description yes, is this: you. a teenage girl gets involved with a bad crowd and a downward lifestyle. A Christian conversion leads her out, based on the true life story of Beverly Oliver Massage. So, uh. Looked up Beverly Oliver Massage. The first thing that comes up is a Jimmy McDonough Facebook post. Uh, the great, uh, great hero Jimmy McDonough of uh, BuyNWR.com and also author of The Ghastly One. Uh, are you familiar with that book, Dan? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. So he says of her, uh, Beverly Oliver Massage, she starred in Dale Barry's outrageous hot-blooded woman, claims to be the mysterious babushka woman present for the JFK assassination, turned into a drug addict while married to a Texas mobster, then became an, ev- an, an evangelist and a Christian ventriloquist. <laughs> and that funny oh, Christian no, well, Jesus album cover water. with the woman with the curly hair and the glasses who has the dummy that looks like her, that's her. Like, every time there's a weird album cover the website or an Instagram... Yeah. Post. We got to see this. So yeah, that's, you're right. that's a must. Gotta we got to we got to do that. So, uh, wow, we've talked a lot about Malibu High and uh, Dan Waters. Thank uh, you so much. Anything and else you, you want to touch you, on? You didn't you didn't mention the LA Times review. Oh, compared please. it yeah. com- <laughs> compared it to compared it in one single paragraph compared it to 
Isabella Johnny and Adele H and Louise Brooks and Pandora's Box. <laughs> so Kevin Thomas has been known to maybe inflate things once in a while, but he, that was pretty impressive. I mean, is to, Kevin to Thomas be... still alive? No, he is not. Okay, good. Uh, do you think maybe uh, Jill Lansing was blackmailing him the way she had in the movie? Oh, no. G Kevin Thomas was famous for being the... Like it was pre Rotten Tomatoes, but right. he he would be he would ruin a lot of zero percent ratings. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> okay. like, like he was like like well, Heaven's Gate's the most famous one, which is since people now say it's a masterpiece. But at the yeah. time, it was right. a crowning masterpiece, Kevin Thomas, and then nothing else. Right. Like that was that was <laughs> like he he was the one who went out for it right away. You know, I have to tell you, Dan, I just thought of this. One of my favorite, most tortured pieces of writing was a review of Heather's I read in it, like some like rock and roll newspaper in San Francisco that concluded with this broken sentence that said, an interesting film, comma, but not, I think, uh, dash, industry buzz aside, dash, an interesting one, uh, a good one. Sorry, I blew that. But oh, geez, always, well. it's like that has stuck in my head. Like, how? What kind of monster wrote this? What kind of monster? Well, I remember. This? <laughs> yeah, well, I remember. I remember all my reviews, but yes. It, <laughs> well, now it, you have that. Got a lot. I Heather's my favorite. Heather's insult was um, Waters' dialogue is so arch he could build a second high school on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and. Yes, the, the film critic out here at the time for LA Times was Sheila Benson. And she had seen the movie at Sundance and she spent literally months saying it was the most despicable movie ever made. Wow. But then by the time the movie came out, she 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 couldn't knew she couldn't do a complete teardown of the movie, but but she definitely said this movie's insulting and devious and weird and but she she did my favorite view. Waters is hardly uninteresting. Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's about the lowest, but I'll take it, you know? Yeah, sure. Dan, hardly uninteresting waters. <laughs> Tex, hardly uninteresting waters, yeah. Yes. Well, this has been great. And, and sheer coincidence that your uh, work partner sometimes, uh, Michael Lehman, is on Gilbert Godfrey this week. Too. Yes, I, I saw that. I, got, uh, yeah. I mean, I haven't heard it yet, but I'm going to listen to it. Oh, it's yeah. it's top-notch. I mean, it's 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 not this, but, you know, we have uh, Dan <laughs> Waters. We have Dan Tex Waters with us. Well, so. we got Malibuhai, too. Like, you yeah. Know. yeah, that <laughs> helps. Yeah, got that yeah. big chunk of meat. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been spectacular. Uh, anything else we want to say? Um, all good. I think this uh -huh. is... That's good. Yeah. So yeah, we I guess we ask our guests to, to say their our outline is crack or get off the pot, but put a little Tex Waters spin on it if you would. Um, oh my god. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I can't do anything. Um, I got a request. How about for Jill Lansing? You say it with a bunch of fucks in it. Yeah. Oh, How about there you throw in a gratuitous Profanity. Um, crack while being pot is not into. No, it's not good. No, um, uh, crack or get crack. off the twenty fucking dollar pot. Piece of shit on the pot. There we Piece go. Of shit. <laughs> Episode nineteen. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you, Ben Riser. Thanks, Dan. Thank Thanks, you, Dan. Ben. 
This was great. Okay.